Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you really? I actually, DH was a problem spot for me. No, that's, I think that, that we'll get to. I think that's sort of, I may cheat on this. Um, I'm worried that my list isn't as interesting as it could be. And then I went out of my way to make it more interesting. So I'm not really worried about it. (laughs) I think I underprepared this time. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to do this on the fly with the various notes that I've just made. Okay. Um, We are back. This is the Monsters of Socks. Last week, we were supposed to podcast. I mean, who knows what our schedule is, but we had an illness of a child derail us. We got called week, out by the pot on Lansdowne. Yeah, well, fuck boys me. this week. The, whatever. <laughs> they just pointed out that they're the only ones who have been consistently recording for the past two months now, which is true. It's fine. There's been a whole lot to talk about. I hope that they've had fun. Yeah. Uh, we have a fun exercise today. And, you know, we first bandied about the idea of giving our projected rosters for opening day. But I said, that's boring. What I came up with and Dan agreed to, and what we will do is we're going to go through our rosters on the last day of the season, which will include context for the season uh, for what game that is. Is it game 162? Is it the last game of the world series? It could be anything. 
it could be hypothetically a game in a playoff series where you've gamed out which pitchers have pitched already and would not be starting and which would be. So Dan, how do you feel about your list before we get into it? Uh, I don't feel all that great. Are we, we are jumping right into this where we have no other segments, no other, we we don't have to, we we can build that. We can build it a little bit, but I just wanted to lay it out there because rarely, even when we have a gimmick, rarely do we have less to talk about before the gimmick outside of minor procedural moves that have happened. That's true. And presumably, since we're going to be going position by position, we're, we're, we each have 20 slots, or we're, we each have 10 slots to discuss. Um, so I don't feel great about my list um, in a couple of different ways. One, I'm totally unprepared at this point to – I don't have a good prediction for what this scenario, the last game of the season is going to be. Uh, it just, uh, I don't know. Think, well, thinking is, about making a prediction at that point is making me break out in hives. Well, this is specifically of why I wanted to do it because this, unlike an opening day roster, which is a guess and it's a stab, and you have some information, we are dispelling with the idea that we can actually do this. We are just writing a single narrative as told through. I was going to do the batting order. You don't have to. That's I've sort of been. Yeah, I was going to go around the diamond, but I can um, batting order. How easily can I flip that? I, you know what? I can make it work. What's well, it, can make batting the same order thing. work? Yeah. I'm not even done with it. I'm making my final changes on my whiteboard as we speak. Yes, I have a whiteboard for this. Dan, how are you doing otherwise? How's uh, how's baby Cornelius? He's doing well. Uh, last time we spoke, I my recommendation was for an insanely expensive bassinet that helps newborns sleep. And <laughs> two weeks later, or is it three weeks later, my recommendation is only stronger. He is now almost exactly two months old, and we're already at the point where there's just like one wake up at night. You know, that happens at, at three or four in the morning, and that's it. It it's changed everything. There's going to be a a boom of 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 newborns in wealthy enclaves in America because this thing makes having a baby so much easier. This sounds like something from a sci-fi movie. It well, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, you see, uh, you see something in like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I'm like, oh, that's the child machine. That comic. yeah. Well, that probably in 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 the Blade Runner universe. It, uh, in, well, 2049 at this point not far enough away. That's true. But maybe 2059, 2069, there yeah. will be amongst a certain class of people, they will have nothing to do to actually raise their child. I think it will all be done by the machines. So that's that. I was listening to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show because I do that, and they were thinking about the stuff that our kids will ask us, like. You did that. Like what the most amazing thing that we do that they can't conceive of. And the, the best answer they came up with was driving. That they'll be like, what did you do when you were driving from San Francisco to LA? Like you drove and like you couldn't do anything else. Like, no, you had to yeah. like watch the road and the other cars. 
I yeah. like. I don't know that self driving is uh, the fate to complete that everyone thinks it is. Okay, um, then. But yeah, then that's we just build rails answer. instead, which is what we should do. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I think the answer is going to be just being bored, just sitting there without your phone. You know, I was watching. So one thing, one thing my wife and I are doing a little bit on uh, on her maternity leave is watching old Sopranos episodes. And I had never really seen the whole series. I'd seen bits and pieces. I, but you know, I didn't have cable when it first started. And by the time I got to college and did have cable, it was already in its last three or four years. So I never did really watch the whole show, and she did, and it's a rewatch for her. But one thing that I'm finding surprising but really loving about the sopranos is what a time capsule it is it it does such a good job depicting that era and that it just including we were watching an episode the other day where meadows in college and the dorm room wall is covered with absolute vodka ads which that's that's such an amazing touch and takes you right back to, to 1999 2000 but anyway so i was just watching a different episode the other day and Tony Soprano was in Las Vegas and he went to, to have a meal and he was by himself and he just sat there by himself, you know, like drinking wine and thinking. And, you know, and obviously indeed, like he didn't pull out the phone. He was just sitting there thinking about things. And I, that, that's the thing that even not forget about 20 years from now, like, and forget about just our kids. That's the thing that people who are 18 today have no concept of just sitting there looking around and thinking with nothing to, to distract your mind from its own thoughts. I agree that that is probably the end goal of tech companies. I do think that there will be a neo Puritan movement based on the reaction to like our, even like yeah. my phone I, usage. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's elements of that movement that are already there and i think all of us kind of have the urge to 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 get away from the constant barrage of of just information but it's just it's too addictive we can't it's like we, smoking we're, we're, we're not capable of it yeah. it's literally an addiction that is not that smoking was new but mass-produced cigarettes were and yeah. we don't we don't even know how to deal with it now but We'll figure it out, and like so, it's it's still very wild westy in terms of what they're allowed to do to our brains. And what they did to our brains was make us have a podcast and come with this, up with this ridiculous thought experiment, of which I'm very proud of my work here, even if I spent a good ten minutes on it, think doing it directly. Though I've been thinking about it for yeah. a week now because we were supposed to do it last week. All right, should we should we take a quick break and then jump into it? Well, you want to remember to take the ad break? <laughs> that's that's my, what I'm doing right now. My <laughs> gosh. Okay, after the break, a look at the Boston Red Sox, their final game of 2024. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply oh i'm excited for this because I have uh, some, I have some jokes embedded. You have a whiteboard. Yes. You have you have a whiteboard, which means you you have really stepped up your preparation game for this podcast. Well, the whiteboard so, well, was a gift, a Christmas gift to my son, so he could do math on it. Oh, okay. And that your is it for this upcoming Christmas? You've already opened it and no, he just does using it or? now. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. So. I think since you are uber prepared for this, I think you should start us off. And I guess the way we have to start us off is you have to set the scene, right? Yeah, exactly. So tell us, yeah, all right. So here you go. This you know, coming at you live from Fenway Park. Nope. So oh, not at Fenway. Okay. Not at Fenway Park. I didn't even check the schedule to see where they finished, but in my mind, they're in the Second game of the first round of the playoffs. Okay, so the wild card game. And you know it's the second game, whether they win or lose. Okay, so they are the, the I guess, the third wild card team? Yes, and they okay. do not win this game. They lose it. Mm. So but, what, uh, where are they playing? Who are they playing? Regrettably for everybody involved, they're playing the Yankees. Mm. So you've got the Rays winning the division. I didn't think that much. Or, or do you see the Jays or the Orioles? Or I didn't think it through. Okay, I'm just telling right. you so it's... what's the. I I thought about the roster <laughs> machinations more than I thought about the actual details of that because that yeah. can happen. I'm predicting one game, and however it comes to this. Point. So they are either the third wild card playing the Yankees who won the division with the third best record, or uh, they the are second the wild second wild card, playing, card playing, playing the first wild card game. I think let's yeah. do that one. They're the second. The, sec- the two second okay, wild card, card showdown. Wild card. 
Okay, that is interesting, of course, because it's the the last time the Red Sox were in the postseason. We did have a wild card showdown with the Yankees. But it was just um, one. So, yeah, it was just the one game, which I already missed. I missed that one game wild card so much. Um, but, yeah, so interesting that that's you, you, you're predicting Craig Breslow to start his Red Sox postseason career in the exact same way that Heim Bloom started his. Yes, I – Wait, well, no, but the Red Sox won the series. Well, they won, but still, that was they, they, you know, wild card entry against wild card Yankees. So to set the scene, set the stage for a line, the lineup, the Red Sox will be facing the Yankees' number two starter after Garrett Cole in the first game. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Pause. Wait. No, I'm not pausing. Let me see. I just, I just, this this is probably, this is something we should discuss beforehand. But I actually think now it's, I I really think we should not go through the batting order. I think we have to go around the diamond. Well, it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. No, you can go around the diamond. I'm doing the batting order because, no, no, because if you say, if you say so and so is leading off, right, and I have so and so on my team, but not leading off. Okay, yes, fine. Exactly. We'll do that, but then I'm going to say where I have them batting. Okay, that works. So, Garrett Cole pitched game one, and then the Yankees, one of their two major offseason acquisitions, Blake Snell, a lefty, mm. is starting game two, which means I would... some things for the lineup. Okay, that's right. But it's of also course. game two for the Red Sox, which means their number one starter presumably not going because mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that I'm sort of, I thought about being like, well, maybe they had to fight to get in and it was just a bridge too far for me. I'm assuming they're going to be able to set their rotation. So okay. I have a starter. I'm guessing your context is not nearly the same as mine. Well, I do have some starter context. Um, Okay, you need to go through it before we say the answers because otherwise it won't make any sense. All right. So I I had similar thoughts as you did on the pitching. Um, I do see the Red Sox in the postseason. I also see them as a wild card team. I think the American League East in particular is just too talented to predict that any one team is going to definitively win this division. Um, so I do think it is a wild card. Uh, I think it's against the Seattle Mariners. Love it. Love and it. I think it's in Fenway. Love it. Now, with respect to the pitching, again, I, my, I, my head went through the same thing. Are they going to need to fight to get in the postseason? Is that going to mess up their rotation? Um, I did not think about what game of the series it is, but I'll, I'll go along with you and say it's game two. Well, that would mean you say think the Red Sox are losing the series. So you don't need to – you could say it's game two and maybe there's a game three after. I'm saying sure. for, for my thing, sure. I was saying this is the absolute last game of the season. But it's fine. if we're talking about the same situation, that's fine. So I thought about this and I thought, my God, it's impossible to predict exactly how the pitching is going to shake out. And so the only – the only thing that seemed remotely reasonable in my head was to say that I don't know if Yamamoto is going to be on the team. 
I don't know if he's going to be the number one. I don't know if Chris Sale is going to bounce back. I don't know if Brian Bayo is going to make a leap. I don't know if they're going to need to burn their ace to get in. The only reasonable thing I could think of to say was that Rick Porcello will be taking them out <laughs> because I just can't see Rick Porcello. I know for the rest of my life is going to make 20 to 30 starts for the Red Sox every year and never get injured. And he will always be kind of good Rick, and kind of bad. And he will always Rick just Porcello. be there. I think there's a glitch in your oh brain. Oh my God. I think there's a glitch in your brain, dude. <laughs> there is a glitch in my brain. Because I was all set because yes. we're talking about the same player and you yes. called him Rick I Porcello. I flew it. I, I, I can see how the names have the same number of letters. They're Italian names. <laughs> Is All it right, Nick so Pavetta? You... It's Nick, yes. I it's ruined you. That. Oh, my God. Ah, I ruined that. No, I, I ruined mean, that. You did. You did. I mean, I was for a second. I, I have Rick was Porcello like, written down. And immediately in my head, I'm like, he means Nick Pavetta. Um, I do mean Nick Pavetta. God damn it. But, yes, that's that's the only answer any of us can go with, right? Right. It's Nick Pavetta. Yeah, in my telling, Yamamoto is on the team in pitches game one. That's any pitches game one. Okay. So do you, so are you saying equally likely is that like it's Aaron Nola or it's even fucking Chris sale, you know, I don't. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was my next question. Are you saying that Pavetta is the number two starter or are you saying just as I'm saying Nick Pavetta, as long as he is alive, will be pitching for the Red Sox, which is basically my logic. Except for you not saying the right name. Uh, Exact same way. I'm really nervous now about the rest of my list because I'm looking at like I didn't. That Cody wasn't just, is playing catcher. Oh my god! <laughs> that wasn't just something where I said it incorrectly. I I wrote down on You're, my list Rick Porcello. This is a, this is one of the most amazing new dad or like <laughs> new dad new young tiny child brain things that has happened in a while. I salute it. You're you're uh, off the hook for that. Um, I went man. If I did have an actual explanation for Rick Porcello starting game two. I mean, I can also see why you mix them up because this yeah. is not a ton of daylight between them at their best. No, no. Pavetta probably really, throws yeah. harder. And Porcello probably had more um, craftier yeah. stuff, I would say. Yeah, well, I was good. Yeah, I think Pavetta probably has better pure stuff than yeah, Porcello yeah, definitely. does. You just, and, and, you know, we saw a Porcello-esque run from yes. Pavetta in the second half of I mean, the season this year. I mean, it's a great comparison. They're just not the same. Guy. They're not the same person. No, they're not. So, no, they're okay. Not. So that, My apologies to Avery Hamill, world's oh number God, one Nick Pavetta fan. Now, I can't wait for the pod boys to hear that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, now let's get down to brass tacks. All right. Where do you want to start? It's up to That's, you. Who's, who's he throwing to? Who's old Nicky P throwing to? I mean, I mean, it'd be very boring. It's like Connor Wong. Okay, that is boring. I'm going to be far more exciting than you um, because I'm worried about the catcher position. Um, Connor Wong, as much as we loved him early on last year, ultimately his, his offensive production really nosedived throughout the season, which lines up with where people projected him to be despite his hot start. Reese McGuire is just garbage all around. He's, he can't hit at all, and he's metrics-wise, he isn't even that great of a catcher anymore. Um, 
So I think there's a golden opportunity here for Kyle Teal to just absolutely blast like a rocket ship through the system. The guy already... It's it's really aggressive. I love it. It's super aggressive. It's super aggressive, but the thing with Teal is, you know, at this point, his prospect status is based on two things. His hit tool doesn't necessarily have great power, but he's got great bat-to-ball skills. And defensively, he's considered almost good enough to be a major league uh, catcher right now. And, you know, that his, his, his defensive profile is such that most evaluators think that even if he doesn't hit to his true potential, he's still going to be a major league catcher because, you know, his, his, his floor is that high because of his glove. So I think the catching spot's going to be a real point of weakness. I don't think Connor Wong is going to hit next year. I know Reese McGuire is not going to hit next year. And fuck it. Let's have fun. Let's say Kyle Teal just rockets through the organization. Gets called up maybe in early June. I think I'm, I'm getting really aggressive here because I think the catching situation is going to be that bad. Um, I don't think he necessarily becomes the number one guy. In fact, I think Connor Wong probably still makes more starts than him. Yeah, but you'd start uh, the, you'd start the rookie in the potential last game of the season. I understand. I understand yeah, of course. Works. Hey, dude, it, guys, he's a gamer. He's college World Series experience. He's you know he's, he's probably only four years younger than Connor Wong as it is. You know, we're not it's we're, t- we're not talking about like Jason Veritek as the other option. So watch it be Osmani Grandal. Watch it after all that now. That's that's more <laughs> sure. it won't be. That's uh you know that's an old Red Sox thing. All right. All right. I thought I think there's a better chance of neither of us being right than either of us being right, frankly. I think that's possible. I mean I think it I think it's more likely going to be Connor Wong. This is this my list is more is as much wish fulfillment as it is so I, an actual an actual prediction. During the last, during you talking right now, I actually I changed I swapped somebody out. Um, really, and and put it in because you inspired me. So, okay, all right. So let's go first base. This is it's it's not as easy as it seems. It's incredibly easy. Oh, because okay, you're right. playing the lefty thing. No, oh so, no, no, no. I don't think so. I, I we we both have Casas, and I think that yeah, the, le- the lefty. I, I was going to say he's the exception. I have him batting. Uh, I have Wong batting eighth, Casas batting third, even if, even with the lefty on the mound, because I think he's going to be so good it doesn't matter. I, I completely agree with that. Yep, I uh, won't. I'm not going to have him hitting third for reasons we'll get it we'll get into shortly, but. Uh, no, you yeah, don't. No, you don't have a batting order. We <laughs> went over this. I'm, I'm making one up right now. Uh, Kyle Teal is hitting ninth, and yeah, and yeah, Casas is hitting. Oh, you know what? Maybe I will have. Okay, you're right. I don't have a batting order. I have to think about this more. Okay. All right, second base, go. All right, second base. A guy who is already on the team right now. All right. Well, we're but, different. We're now we're different. Okay. Your second baseman for the last game of the Red Sox season, Trevor Story. <laughs> Trevor Story. And what I am predicting, I'm predicting a couple of things here. One, I think, as we all know, they currently have a hole at second base. 
I don't think Breslow fills it in the offseason. I think there's too much else to do. I think he focuses on the starting rotation. I think he makes a couple of big moves in that area, and second base kind of falls by the wayside. So that's one thing. Two, I think Trevor's story gets a little sort of niggling arm, elbow, barking injury issue. Maybe early in spring training, probably early in the season. It doesn't put him on the shelf. He doesn't need surgery again. But it barks at him a little bit. Enough for the Red Sox to say, hmm. Because if we look, you know, for for as, as good as he looked that short last year, if you look at the arm numbers, he was, once again, one of the slowest throwing shortstops in baseball, as he was in his last years in Colorado. So we'll get to shortstop later. But I'm saying Trevor's story is moved over to second base midseason. Those are interesting data points in light of a discussion that we'll have in the near future. Okay. I am going to be boring. And it's only boring in the sense that this a potential deal involving this player was mentioned. It does seem to make a lot of sense. I'm saying it's Glaber. Glaber Torres. Glaber. It does make sense for both teams. And if we go through our outfielders, I think you'll find out which one of them is no longer there. Okay. All right. So they so they trade for Glaber in the offseason. Does he have a good strong year? Strong enough to be batting sixth in this particular game. Okay. So we're looking at him as the Red Sox second baseman of the future. Of the last game of 2020. Okay. All right. Shortstop. You want to go ahead? Okay. You go ahead. I'm saying Trevor Story is hurt, so they're playing Rafaela there. Okay. Sedan. All right. And he's batting ninth because it hasn't been as pretty as we'd like. But the talent is undeniable. And even um, with his relative inexperience, they feel like that's the best chance to win. Okay. So I don't think Sedan is a member of the Boston Red Sox uh, at this last game of the season. Oh, I love it. I don't. I think think Breslow is going to come in. Is he on the Padres? Just tell me. Is he on the Padres? Hold on, hold on. We That's will yes. get there. That's a yes. We will, we will get there. I think Breslow comes in, looks at his hitting profile, and predicts that this guy is not going to make it in the major leagues. He, 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 well, not that he's not going to make it. His glove is still good enough that he will. But I think he looks at his hitting profile and predicts that this is where his value is going to be at the highest point of his entire career, essentially, because I think, like you, a, a full season in Major League Baseball – could potentially really expose his bat in bad ways. We so know the Breslow. Implied, the implied value of him right now could never get higher. Yes, correct. We know Breslow is going to be aggressive this offseason. How do we know that? Last pieces. time we talked, you said, I don't know what he's going to do. How do we well, don't know well, anything? Well, we've heard a press conference since the last Ooh, time. Oh, he said so, things. <laughs> he said things. <laughs> Look, uh, I just think he's, he's, he's going to be aggressive. We shall see. But, you know, they're like, as you pointed out in your piece today, they're close enough um, that it's. It, it, if he There's wasn't going to do it, why to... would you fire him? Like, if yeah, precisely, it's part precisely. of the plan to have more action, it seems <clears throat> yeah. simplest explanation. So I don't think 
he goes to the San Diego Padres. I think instead he goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for Mitch Keller, who our own Jacob Roy did a, a nice write-up as to why he would be a really good trade target. So I see I see Bloom going hard after Yamamoto. Who? Uh, got to Rick Porcello. Um, that's president of baseball operations. I see Breslow. I see Breslow going hard after Yamamoto uh, and either landing him or if not, then immediately shifting resources to Enola type. I see him then going after a sort of second tier free agent. And I see him trying to trade for a guy. And I think that guy might end up being Mitch Keller. So Sedan's off the team. The guy who is on the team is someone else who's not in the Red Sox. Someone else who's acquired via trade. And her name, his name, her name. <laughs> I just gave it away. His name is Fernando Tatis Jr. The said, shortstop he said he, for the Boston Red Sox for the next 13 right, years. You said, but you just said that Breslow actually said Bloom. Like, no, he didn't call the Padres. I think he did call the Padres. No, Sedan is on the Pirates. Oh, Pirates. Oh, Pirates. Sedan okay, is on the Pirates God, for Mitch Keller. I follow it now. Who did they trade for Tatis? And San Diego Who native San Diego native Marcelo wow. Meyer led the package mm. for a deal for – and here's what happened. What happened is actually that – Soto got traded the Red the Sox because I have that. No, no. What happened is the Red Sox called the Padres up to talk about Juan Soto this offseason. And they started to put together a package with Marcelo Meyer at the center of it. But Juan Soto actually ends up telling the Padres, you know what? I really like it here. I want to become a star here. I'm interested in signing long term. And then so the Padres then look around and they basically choose between Tatis and Soto to be one guy that they're going to have on the team over on a mega deal for the next 15 years. I mean, not one guy that Machado and Bogart's on mega deals too, but they basically view it as a choice between Soto and Tatis. And they end up deciding to go with Soto. They actually start the year with Tatis still in San Diego. Um, The Padres get off to another rocky start. And Tatis starts getting a little grumpy because he's still stuck playing in right field while Xander and Hassan Kim are getting all the innings at shortstop. So there's they get off to a little bit of a rough start. They've got Soto locked up long term, but they out they get off to a rough start. Tatis is becoming a little clubhouse cancery. And the trade rumblings start rumbling again. And then Breslow calls San Diego up and says, Hey, remember that deal we were talking about about Marcelo Meyer for Juan Soto? And they basically just revive it with essentially the same package for Tatis. Tatis okay. comes over. He plays shortstop. Trevor Story moves to second. Okay. Here's, here's my thing. Your result, this Marcelo Mayer plus package for Tatis. Love it. Better than anything I have. The process is fucking dog shit. They would <laughs> never do that in the middle of a season. No matter how bad they were doing, they're not going to dump one of their guys for prospects. Okay, so you're probably right about that. Also, all the reporting, for what it's worth, is that they're trading so because they they need to recoup some value. 
as I said, this this whole thing starts as a discussion about a Soto trade. You're you're really inspired by the Yankees with a Rod, and uh, uh, that's because that's one. Wasn't that what happened when Aaron when Boone Yankees, got hurt? The Yankees right. called and they asked about somebody, and then the Rangers like, well. Uh, you can have a rod. Is yeah, that what a rod? That is what I, I don't. I mean, the, the Rangers like almost traded a. It's positive. The Rangers almost traded a rod to the Red Sox. No, they three did. weeks before Traders. they did. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. So I would. You know. I, I don't know. I would find it hard to believe that the Yankees didn't just, just say, "Hey, let's go get him if it falls fair. apart." I just don't think a prospect heavy package is happening <clears throat> in the middle of a year for. I, I mean, it happened with Juan Soto, so I don't know why I would say that. Yeah. But when they have Bogarts and Kim, and I mean, we'll see. I already just said they don't have Blake Snell, but that's not your universe. I think that's probably true. And it, look, it's it's definitely true that it would be if something like this were to come to pass, it'd be far more likely to happen in the off season than during the season. That's certainly true. I guess the reason why I didn't pull the trigger on that is I just I don't see Breslow focusing on a move like that this offseason i think he's sort of going to be lasered in on the starting staff as he should be um so in order for me to make it make sense it had to be a, a thing that kind of pops up out of nowhere which necessitated one the trevor story elbow injury and two the padres getting off to another bad start and tatis getting grumpy out there okay so that's how I had to make that, the piece. That was the short shortstop. That was the most fun we've had so far. I think the in middle yeah. infielder, uh, third base. I imagine this one will be quick unless we have a DH scenario you want to go over. I I I did initially create a scenario where Tatis comes over and plays third, endeavors DHs. Um, but you know, and that's that's plausible too. But no, simplest explanation is the best one. Uh, yeah. I think I have a batting fifth. Anyhow, because in my head, the struggles sort of continue, and, and we're facing a lefty. Not that it matters for Casas, but just mm-hmm. to do the batting uh, order stuff. All right, I actually didn't do the outfield positions. I just have three outfielders. Uh, All right. And, well, let's go DH first uh, for shits and gigs. Who's your, who's your DH? My DH is Masataka Yoshida. I think I'm going to put him there too. I think. Because I think out of the outfielders I have playing, he would be the most likely DH candidate. So, uh, and I have him batting. I mean, it doesn't matter because I, t- since we have three outfielders and a DH, and you, we both just picked an outfielder, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. All right. I have Yoshi batting seventh, I think. Okay. Who is your... I assume you did do positions, so let's just go through yours. What's your left field? All right. Left field. Finally, recontinuing the tradition of great Hall of Fame level Red Sox left fielders. We have yet another rookie who blasted through the system. Roman Anthony is playing left field in in the postseason for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, um, I have him out. I have him out there too. Do you? Okay. I'm I just 
I mean, at this point, like I, I think he's a better prospect than Meyer at this juncture. Oh, I think that's plain yeah, as day. And and I think he's there's really no one in his way anywhere. <laughs> there's no one stepping. He can play. He can play all three outfield positions for one thing. I actually thought long and hard about having him at center. Um, before I haven't been right given the guys I have in the outfield, but I could see that happening too. Um, but so the path is very clear for him. I think he's a better prospect than Meyer. I think that's probably what the Red Sox people are starting to think. So I think when they start talking about packages for superstars, they're more willing to deal so, Meyer and Sedan. Well, I didn't want okay, Meyer and Sedan is a lot, but that's why I didn't want to bring up are you going to be able to get Tatis without Anthony? I think it, it might. The answer might be yes, because the Padres, whether it's so whatever they're actually gonna do, really want to do it. Yeah. So they would, you know, they're like the Nationals were. The Nationals got paid off pretty well though. Uh anyhow. All right, yeah, I had Rome. That was the one when you were talking about Kyle Teal. I was like, oh, I gotta put Roman Anthony in there. Yeah. Previously yeah. I had That's... Justin Turner back on the team, but I took him off. Turner, so I don't know if you saw this. Um, Turner was at Fenway a couple of weeks ago, or at like last week. And it turns out, uh, as we've discussed before, I have been, I, I'm a somewhat close watcher of Justin Turner and Justin Turner's wife's it's Instagram account. Sounds like you're a close Turner watcher of Justin Turner's wife's Instagram account. That's what uh, both of, well, she is the more active poster. So if I want to keep up to date on Justin Turner, I got to follow her too. But what is interesting about Justin Turner and his wife is that they have not left the Boston area yet. Like they're still here. And in fact, they were, uh, there are pictures on Halloween night of Justin Turner dressed up as a Ghostbuster on the green line. And there are pictures of them still like going up to like a cabin in New Hampshire in November. They haven't left the area. It would not surprise me one iota if he was back. I just wanted to get Roman Anthony in there. Yeah, no, I agree. But the Turner thing is going to be interesting to watch. He was, he was perfect in the role for the Sox last year. As you know, as we discussed, I was worried about him falling off a cliff. And I still kind of am. I still am worried. Like it's going to happen eventually. He's he's really fucking old at this point, and I don't. And I would like it to not happen on the Red Sox watch. So I'm not sure I see them resigning because I think they'll be afraid of that too. But damn, if he isn't exactly, if if he can do exactly what he did last year, he's perfect for what this team will need next year. I mean, I was right. You were wrong. Let's just true. let's just say it. Very very true. All right, center field. Who you got? Center field. I have Jaron Duran. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very great year for Jaron Duran. I think you know a lot of his numbers were buoyed by unsustainably high batting average and balls and play numbers. He's always going to have a little bit uh, of a high Babbitt because of his speed, um, but it won't be that high. Um, so I think he comes down to earth a little bit. Is disappointing, but they traded to Don in the off season, um, so they kind of end up with a hole in center field, and he just sort of just maintains that spot all season long. I would say I agree, but I don't. Oh, because Craig Breslow in his biggest offensive acquisition of the off season signs Teoscar Hernandez. Mm. Okay. Who is, who is starting and batting cleanup against Blake Snell. 
Okay, Teoscar. All right. Yeah. As soon I mean, as I saw the Red Sox link to Teoscar, I was like, I see it. I totally see yeah. that. Yeah. I'm I hate also that counting move. on a Duran regression playing into this. It's also yeah. against the lefty. So, so uh, does Duran get moved or is he just a fourth outfielder? outfielder? Well, you'll, it'll make sense in one second. Okay. It'll make sense. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. So I have him batting cleanup and uh, have him in, out there in the outfield. You, solid you have the baseball right fielder. player. Oh no, Teoscar. 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 Right, yeah, yeah. He is a solid baseball player. He has his flaws, um, but you know the power, the glove. It's a, uh, it's a good combination. I'd be. And yeah, and I think they I'd want something. Breslow, in particular, maybe <laughs> wants something a little bit more dependable than Duran out there. Even you know, despite Duran's gains. So I'd have Roman Anthony in right, and then we'll get to my left fielder in a second. Who's your right fielder? My right fielder is Willier Abreu. Love it. I really liked him last year with his short stint. I think he's an underrated prospect. I don't exactly know what happens to Alex Redugo. I think there's one scenario think, where he gets traded for the, pitching help. I think I'm saying it's the Glaber trade, and they just whoop, do that. They just swap with the Yankees. Okay. Yeah, yeah I could see that. And that would be the perfect the perfect end of the whole Mookie saga if ultimately you got – I also had in my scenario Verdugo getting some sort of big hit uh, to, to eliminate the Sox because you – know. I do think for one season he would thrive in the Bronx probably. Um, before wearing out his welcome. I mean, well, I don't know if they would sign him to a long-term deal anyway. He's entering last year's contract, but I do think he would enjoy being in New York. Uh, yeah, I think that trade actually makes a ton of sense, uh, but so do a lot of trades that don't happen. Yeah. All right, so I, he's not in my – I haven't traded, so he's not there. Playing left field and batting first in this game against lefty Blake Snell. You got Anthony Rob leading off, motherfucking Ref Snyder, baby. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair I enough. Sort yeah. of, I sort of engineered the scenario to have a lefty on the mound so that I could put Ref Snyder, so that you could have Rob Ref Snyder. But, leading but off. I don't. I think, I'm not even sure he's on the team next year. To be he's, he's under contract. I know he's under contract, but he's it's a cheap contract that they yeah, wouldn't a cheap contract mind eating if they had the best hitter of lefties in the world. Bargain by, yeah. Well, they, 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 he he looks to be that way for about a year and a half. I think he sort of tailed off at the, in the last half of, of last year. Um, right, and he's even due for a bounce back. He's due for a bounce back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, I, I you know Rob Ref Snyder as a sort of. Brock Holt character with the Red Sox for the next three years. I, you I mean, could see that happening, certainly. I um, you know, just a guy who just sort of sticks around and does a couple of things really well. So in my scenario, Verdugo gets the Yankees win game one because Juan Soto takes Yamamoto deep and it's a sensation, but it, otherwise a close game. And then in game two, uh, Red Sox, I'm sorry, the Red Sox get a lead in game one against Cole because they always do. But then Soto hits the home run. And then in the mm-hmm. second game, uh, the Red Sox are clinging to a lead, and Verdugo gets a big hit off closer Chris Sale. And, uh, and it's all sad. But with mixed feelings, because the Red Sox were plainly better and plainly getting better. So losing to the Yankees, bad, getting better, good. Yeah. So now I know this obviously, this, this is taking things a step beyond what you did. 
But in your scenario, you have the Yankees this season missing out on Yamamoto because Breslin I'm signing him. Soto and Blake Snell. Oh, Soto. Oh, right. You did say Blake. Okay, so Soto and Blake Snell. And you, think, and you think that's enough for – you think that's enough to turn that garbage roster around? Well, they also trade for Alex Verdugo. You know. The trade for Alex Verdugo too, He's yeah. basically Bookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, no, Blake they got, Snell. they got a little work to do, but yeah. they – Like everything went wrong for them last year, and they still beat our ass. You know, it's yeah, like, they really did. Like it's God, that frustrates me so much. I look at the Yankees last year, and I'm like, that team was garbage, and they finished better than the Red Sox again. Yes. Anyhow, I think that was a much better exercise than because you also might have you might have said, oh. I want to. I want them to trade for Tatis, but I think it would happen during the season, which I think is crazy. But at the same yeah. time, added some, it, is, it, it added some flavor to it. So that was uh, that was a great exercise. What else do we have to talk about? We can talk about anything. It doesn't. We can talk about time. anything. Um, is there before I have I have a potential new segment that has nothing to do with baseball? Before we get to that, is there anything else baseball related to discuss? Rafael Devers won a Silver Slugger. Does that make you happy? I was sort of surprised, but then I wasn't because he's good. Yeah. Tristan Costas finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting. Yeah. This was not a year he was going to win the Rookie of the Year. Brian Cashman uh, threw some snarky shade at Giancarlo Stanton for always being hurt. Yeah, he's and still on their Stanton's team. Agent. He's, he's still, still on their, on their team. team. He's still on their team. And Stanton's agent, who responded with some cryptic who threats else is about – Stanton's agent. Ah, Stan's agent, who also represents Yoshinobu Yamamoto, threatens to keep his clients away from the Yankees. Unfortunately, this is probably just negotiating. But of course, it's out in the open, so it's way more fun. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Uh, Shohei Otani reportedly, according to sources, has a fondness for Fenway Park and enjoys visiting Boston. What do you think about that, Brian? Yeah. I find I, I so learned all these Boston. rumors from Pot on Lansdowne gifts. Uh, and... <laughs> yeah. This Otani to Boston stuff. I mean, I'm sure not if I were paying it's closer, not it's not. A, I'm sure if I were paying closer attention, it must. This must be happening in every major. Or, you know, this must be happening in San Francisco and Seattle too. But it. Is getting. Well, I've never seen anything like this. Like once a week or twice a week, we hear a new suspect that it could happen. Yeah, but it's like every week or twice a week, we get a new reason why Otani is considering the Red Sox, and they're all the dumbest, most vague reasons I've ever heard in my life. Just a fondness for Fenway Park. <laughs> Hey, you know what? They 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 were in LA together, not on the same team, but in the same uh, general part of California for five years together. They they they've crossed paths. They could he, he absolutely could be saying, "Hey, man, New Hampshire in October, beautiful. You got to get out here, Shohei. And my wife got a cabin on a lake. You're well anytime. You guys come on up." Holy shit! My recommendation plays so much into the Shohei Otani madness, but we could. Is it get a cabin in New Hampshire? No, no. it's uh, it's the book Easy Money by Ben McKenzie and Jacob Silverman about crypto. And the reason oh. I say it ties into Shohei Otani is Ben McKenzie famously was Ryan on The OC, which is where 
Anaheim Angels play their the Los Angeles Angels play their baseball games in said OC. All right, Great. so a couple of questions here. One, this guy wrote a book. Yeah, uh-huh. about cryptocurrency. And, and here's the thing. <clears throat> It's not just a good subject. He can actually write. It, it makes me mad. It makes me... Uh, no, I actually went to a Halloween party at Jake, Jacob Silverman and I have a mutual friend and went to a Halloween party 12, 13 years ago at his apartment. But Ben McKenzie, the guy who played Ryan on the OC, lived in Brooklyn. He basically is like, I'm a beaten down mid-40s dad who likes to drink beer and sort of doesn't know what he's up. What I'm like, he's really just me, except for he's married to an unbelievably attractive uh, and talented actress. Presumably um, he's still unbelievably attractive too, right? Is, yeah, <laughs> but he, like they talk about going, like they, he DM'd Jacob Silverman who's been writing about crypto and was like, I want to write a book. This is weird. And they had a first date like at Henry Public the bar on Henry. I Street. love that place. I was there the day it opened. I went there the day. It Were you really? Opened. Yes. Yes. Before anybody else was there too. It's like, five. I was like, Hey, anyhow, they went and then he, it's not, it does not seem to me like a situation where this is a ghost written book. Like Ben McKenzie is very forthcoming in the book about like, I wanted to try something else in my life. It's very it's very clear it's coming from him. Like Interesting. Jacob Silverman helped him research, helped him report, went on some of the things with them. But yeah, the book is great. It's uh, it also came out before Michael Lewis's book came out, and talks about how sad he is to see Michael Lewis in the book. He says he's sad Michael Lewis is fawning over Sam Beckman Freed. Wow. So he like knew. He saw that as it was happening. He saw it coming before, unless he got it because early. he was there talking yeah. to Sam Begnafried at the same time Lewis was following around. So he saw them all interacting. And he's, wow. like, he's like, he's like, I love the big short uh, and I loved Moneyball. And I was so disappointed to see Michael Lewis like taking the bait. That's interesting. And he and wrote I that heard months ago. He wrote <laughs> before that months he, yeah. ago. So probably, then, probably like a year ago. It's like, probably even more than that. It's it's a breezy book. It's well written. It's about a very cool subject. And uh, yeah, man, it's I don't read a ton of books these days. It it was really refreshing. Yeah. So the only thing I have to add about that, I have not read the book, nor have I read Michael Lewis's book, I'm nor did I Michael ever Lewis. watch The OC. Um, no, of course not. But I will say this. So that here's my only association with Ben McKenzie is that I don't. I just looked this up. It's no longer there. Um, but I know for a fact it was at one point, like 20 years ago, when I was in college. I remember like Wikipedia was still newish. And I remember going to the Wikipedia page for the Red Sox. And they had a section on like notable fans. And the only people they listed were, there's like Ben Affleck. Stephen King. 
Stephen King, Bill Simmons, and they were like, and they were like, Ben McKenzie has stated he has a fondness for the Red Sox and Shawnee Style or something thing. like that. Very funny thing. It's like, at the t- yeah, well, and it's and he's obviously like he's barely a notable person anymore. Although maybe this book will make him more notable. Um, but it was just probably a, a better writer than he is an actor, and I mean that as the highest possible compliment because <laughs> oh, I think well, it's good. much harder to be a good writer than it is to be an actor. Oh, for sure. Um, so, uh, I always just found it funny. Like that was just such a weird marriage of time and place. Like Wikipedia was still kind of new; the pages weren't professionalized yet, and the OC was in its 18 months of being really popular. <laughs> So it was just like that was a cross section of oh Ben McKenzie wore a Red Sox hat once that yeah. goes on. Oh, I hear you. Like it was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's really uh, you. He's very self deprecating, but like he he's on a hunt for this information. So like w- when he goes and does things, he'll say like, "Yeah, this is the time where I'd be like, yeah, I I'm." the guy from the OC, let's talk. And then other times he just, you know, doesn't want to have any, he's not leading with that. He's leading as I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating stuff. Um, do you have any recommendations? You cannot recommend The Sopranos. That is on I'm a not list you don't have of things that are just obviously recommended. Yeah, I'm not going to recommend The Sopranos. I'm not. What's I, I was Wire? Initially... No one's heard of it. <laughs> well, I was initially, speaking of The Wire, I was initially going to recommend the Idris Elba, uh, I think it's an Apple TV show, Hijack. Have you heard of this? No. So it, here's what I'll say about it. Well, a couple of things. First of all, can you believe, speaking of how things are different, <laughs> can you believe there is an Idris Elba show about a plane hijacking and you don't know about it yeah that's this is just there's so there's too much there's, too there's much. like seven years ago it would be the biggest show in america it'd yes, be like everyone would be talking about it for yes. sure so it's a show called hijack and i it's not my ultimate recommendation because we finally it's seven episodes i think we finally got to the seventh episode and it ends in a, a fairly unsatisfying manner i would say um so that's not my recommendation, but the seven episodes leading up to it, some of the most bingeable TV you will ever see in your life. It's a really simple plot. Idris Elba plays a, a like a expert corporate negotiator, which I'm pretty sure is a job that doesn't exist in real life. But as it's explained in the show, you know, he's this guy who has these incredible skills about reading people's body language and yes. you know and, and he can speak to people and get them to do what he wants yada 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 um he's a passenger on a plane that's hijacked and it is it, it there's no filler the first scene is him walking on the plane and then it's a it's a flight from dubai to london so the show is pretty much told in real time like a seven hour flight and so the entire show is just he's a guy on a plane the plane's been hijacked it is him trying to essentially use his skills to wrest control back from the hijackers. That sounds pretty cool. And I, I mean, like, It's super interesting. You'd have no idea what's going on for most of it. And you're just sort of, you're thinking along with his character. Like, what is he trying to do now? What's he doing next? He's changing his plan on the fly. I would say it's ultimately unsatisfying because the, the hijackers themselves, it's their backstory that ends up being unsatisfying. Um, you know, they're portrayed as having like Bond villain type skills, 
And the whole time you're thinking like, well, how did they do this? And the answer of how they ultimately did it, I would say, is the one Shut that's kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but up to that point, like you'll, you'll watch three, four episodes in a night. You really will. Cause it's just that type of show. Um, but that's not my recommendation. <laughs> Cause like I said, I wasn't thrilled with the ending. My recommendation is another direction. Brian, how's your sock game looking these days? Oh, dude, terrible, terrible, terrible. Give, give me, so, give me. Well, here's the thing: my sock game has been terrible my entire life because I've never ever once cared about socks, and I almost have never even like bought socks. I don't know. I don't know where the most of the socks I have in my life have come from. They just appear. And then I wear them until they've completely fallen apart. And then I guess maybe I'm like, oh, shit, I, there, here's a CVS. Let me pick up socks. Maybe that's how they're done. I don't know. But last winter, I actually decided to treat myself. And I bought like two really nice pairs of socks. And when I say really nice, I'm saying like they weren't like cashmere. They were like 20 bucks at J. Crew or something like that. Still the nicest socks I ever, I ever bought. And so we finally got some cold weather this past few weeks in Boston. And I started, you know, swapping out the clothes and I found those socks and I started wearing them. And I can't tell you how happy I am that I have like, I totally forgot about them all summer, that I have these awesome, super soft, warm, comfortable socks. And I'm excited to wear them all winter now. I'm going to get more of them. I don't even know what they're called other than I got them at J. Crew. So my recommendation is just, actually be a little intentional with your socks and buy some nice ones and spend a little bit money on it. And it really, especially now that we're all working from home and you don't need to wear shoes, like you can just walk. Well, yeah, fair. You're at home right now. It is the middle of the day. So, Um, but anyway, you know, we're spending more time at home in general. You can just throw a nice comfy pair of socks on. It's a, it's a great way to spend the winter. I'm looking forward to winter because of these socks. I'll tell you that. Man, that's a great one. I, I will never, even though I don't follow the, this recommendation, someone was once asked me if they should get a fancy pair of shoes. I was like, you wear shoes every day, like every day. Yeah. If, if they're good for you, it's worth it. Socks too. I'm more, I don't really have the disposable income. So, but I, I love to double and triple up socks when it gets colder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably achieves the it's same. Not, it's, not, it's not the same. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you something. Outside doesn't make much of a difference. I would imagine between that and your fuzzy socks. Mm-hmm. Inside is where like you, I think, without a shoe on, really get the benefit of the good sock. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Outside, yeah. When you're cold, it's just like, oh, shit, I'm cold. Like, yeah, maybe my feet feel good, but I'm fucking cold. That's why I'm wearing these socks. I'll tell you what you just just luxury, pure luxury. I think you just disrupted the slipper industry. Just wear three socks. Wow. And you get the same effect as a slipper. Okay, so I have to ask you this because I didn't see this until I played weekend football with these guys from Queens for like 15 years. Uh, But then I started doing it because we would play in all weather, basically. And when it was wet, we put plastic bags over our feet and then put our shoes on. Okay. I've, I've never seen that before. All right. Just ask him. No, I've never seen that before. And in fact, I would think that would make running harder. Would it not? 
You because know, plastic I mean, bags, there's not a lot of friction there. And I think your foot would be slip sliding no, inside you, the shoe a little bit. You have socks on and then you put so- the plastic bag right. over the socks just to keep them dry. Yeah, I still think if you have foot, sock, plastic bag, shoe, then everything inside of the plastic bag is going to be slip sliding inside the shoe. It's, I, I, it's better than having it just all soaked through. Yeah, I suppose so. Anyhow, okay, so you hadn't seen that, just asking. No, never seen that for my just, life. I'm just telling you how to live on a budget. You're going to J. Crew. Worried about I'm telling it. you, double, triple up your socks, <laughs> throw a fucking plastic bag on it, screw, rub some dirt on it, and you're good. Do we have anything else before we depart for? <sighs> We're definitely not recording next Thursday. Did you hear uh, Martha's Vineyard was in the news lately? You hear this? You heard about this? Yeah, the horse poo. Yeah. No, no, not not poo. The horse. The horse. The, the horse the... fell. No. Wait. I thought horse poo fell, so they had to turn around. No, it's even funnier than All that. Right, go ahead. So, go actually, ahead. so this is. I was actually thinking of turning this into a segment called "What Does This Symbolize." So the story is that there was a plane flying from New York to Belgium. Mm-hmm. And there was a horse on the plane, and the horse got loose. That's what happened. The horse got loose on the plane. Okay. Which is immediately, like, the funniest thing ever. And something you would just, like, it's it's the type of thing that would be... A Tracy Morgan sketch. I was going to say, like, or an Arrested Development, like, thing. Like, oh, sorry, I'm late. Like, the horse got loose on cool, my plane or something cool like that. Song. There's a horse in the yeah. hospital. So that's hilarious and awesome that a horse escaped on a plane. But what happened is what they had to turn around because the horse escaped. And and in order to then land back at JFK, the, the plane was too heavy because it didn't make the trip to Belgium. So they had oh, to dump right. 20 tons of fuel, fuel 10 miles off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. Uh... And apparently, you know, if you dump it high enough in the air, it dissipates and yada, yeah. yada, yada. But so I was going to ask what, you know, so that's on one hand, horse escaping on a plane, hilarious. On the other hand, 20 tons of fuel, which I can't even believe. I didn't know planes carried 20 tons of fuel. And I also didn't know what a ton was. So I looked at, do you know what a ton is? Like, do you know what, like, what, like, what do you think weighs a ton? Oh, uh, 2,000 pounds. Yeah, that is accurate, actually. But like, what actual thing do you think is 2,000 pounds? I had to look this up. A a small elephant is often used as an example. A black rhino is used as an example of something that's a ton, along with a smart car. Um, And that just blows my mind that there are, you know, over 20 smart cars worth of fuel on a transatlantic flight. So, yeah, that that was my segment. It's called a smart plane. (laughs) Oh, Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you, what is that symbolic of? The, The funniest thing in the world, a horse escaping on a plane leading to a really sad thing about your hometown. Um, probably my life, I think. is <laughs> That's probably the best example. Like we were going somewhere and then a horse got loose. Now we got to go back. And just, <laughs> let's fuck up the homeland while we do it. That's all we got for this week. I am Brian Joyner. You can find me on Twitter if you want. That's Dan Secatori. You can do the same. Dan, Happy Thanksgiving. 
Happy Thanksgiving. Time, yeah, I guess we won't see each other next week, huh? Exactly. Watch out for loose horses. <laughs>